hello there. Welcome back to another episode of I Love This, You Should Too, a podcast with me, Samantha Hees, and him, Indy Randawa. Hi, Indy. Hi. How are you? I'm great, except my eyes are burnt. Because you looked outside for the first time in like three days? Yeah, I don't go outside anymore. Oh, no. (laughs) It's uh, that part of quarantine again. Yeah. It's scary out there. We're going to take him out after the podcast. Take him out for a little walk. To the beyond? Yeah, outside. I don't know if I'm ready for that. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. We've had a nice um, busy weekend of unpacking and cleaning because we're back home. Yay. And we have new floors and uh, I'm very happy with how our house looks. I think it's bigger now. I think they made it a little bit bigger, yeah. Somehow, (laughs) instead of just putting in floors, they also increased the square footage. And busted up a bunch of shit. And broke everything, yeah. But, do you know what today is? An extra special award show episode? Yes. <laughs> it is, in fact, an extra special award show episode. Oh, were you going to say that? Did I steal your line? No, that, that, that's oh, exactly okay. correct. Uh, yes, every 50 episodes we do an award show. Or we will from here on we out. We will from here on out, yeah. We actually did up to like 65-ish the first time. Right. So this is a smaller grouping, but fitting for this year because the Oscars and everything else will be a smaller grouping yeah. and lots of uh, shitty things are going to win awards. Yeah, because they were the only ones who could actually get their movie out. So basically what we're going to do is we're going to run through some categories and some statistics of our movies, and we're going to talk about what we think the best and worst of everything that we've watched is and uh, reminisce about the past. And it's only going to be the main movies, so none of the picks of the week. Yes. And it'll be everything since our last awards show. So everything from episodes 66 through 100. And what was movie number 66? Always be my maybe. Right. Okay. First off, how's this season of the podcast been for you? Good. Good. I think I think I'm finding a rhythm. I was kind of struggling in the first uh first season with picking movies cuz I was scared that you were going to just like not love me anymore. <laughs> But now you're coming around to my big thesis of this whole thing of yeah. like you can have completely different tastes, True. and you can hate the things the other person likes, and you can still love them. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I think that I have figured out a way of picking movies that is both fun and doesn't disrupt our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think uh, going into season three, it's going to be uh, even better. All right. How about you, Indy? I've stopped kind of doing that thing of having a lesson plan over the season Mm -hmm. of this is going to build upon this. I'm still kind of doing it, but I've stopped doing the big classics as much. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, hey, I want to talk about this this week. Yes. Which I think is probably a good thing, but maybe I should do some more real old stuff and teach some film school again like i used to more <laughs> on the fifth, first <laughs> season film school yeah i do enjoy indie's film school occasionally i think it's it's important it's an important part of the show yeah we'll have to do that again i think we've also gotten into that part more about like i don't care what you like yeah nothing is inherently good nothing is inherently bad but i think regardless of what you like if it's raging bull or christmas prince I think you should know why you like it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what separates the good things from bad things. If you can watch whatever and say, I like it for these reasons, 
great. Mm -hmm. But if you're like, "Eh, I like it because pretty, then I'm like, yeah, maybe it's not as great as you think it is. So we've talked about that kind of stuff more. We didn't have a big theme month like we did with Star Wars and stuff. Oh, yeah. Let's we'll get back into that. I think maybe Harry Potter for the next one. Harry Potter, yeah. Um, I was also thinking we talked about a Shakespeare pick where you pick like the classic and I pick the remake. So I would do like the Olivier Hamlet and you would do 10 Things about I Hate About You? Yeah, something like that. We could do like Shakespeare Month. I'd be down for that because I love Shakespeare. Uh, or like the Romeo and Juliet's. Like that would be fun. But yeah, so I think um, you have a lot to teach uh, about Shakespeare, and I have some favorites of remakes of Shakespeare. Well, none of the Shakespeare productions I'd pick were are going to be original, because they're the, you know, three <laughs> no, dates in a I know, I meant movie. <laughs> Predates film. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought William Shakespeare was writing for the screen, not the stage. Yeah, he was around in like the 80s, I think. <laughs> yeah. Billy Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's get into it. Let's talk about our last, I think, around 18 movies. You think it's 17? It's 17. But... <laughs> We've already discovered that I don't know how to do math, so. <laughs> well, you just didn't know averages. Yeah, I didn't Which know. Is, lots of people don't. Yeah. But you picked it up right away after I told you. You taught me how to do it, yes. And then I did it. Good job. And then I'm never doing it again. So the oldest movie we did in this time was Psycho from 1960. And the most recent, if you count television, Schitt's Creek ended in 2020. But we also did Always Be My Maybe from 2019. The most successful box office movie this time is actually one of mine. Really? Spirited Away, because that was a worldwide sensation. Right, yes. And uh, I think that's well-deserved. Yeah. Next would be yours of Instant Family. Somehow made $130 million. (laughs) It's ridiculous. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Capitalism just doesn't work. (laughs) I I think that the... uh... The box office might have been wrong on that one. Yeah. But you could say that the most successful movie was maybe Night of the Living Dead, because on a budget of around 100000 it made $30 million. Oh, well, that's really good. So I used my new power of averages and uh, found some interesting things from our numbers from the last season. So, Indy, your average year of movie was 1992. That makes sense. Um, my average year was 2013. Yeah, you didn't do a lot of, uh, a lot of classics. No, but I thought it would be, um, more recent than 2013. Really? Yeah, because <laughs> I had, pretty like, recent. I had, like, Christmas Prince and Always Be My Maybe and Instant Family, so I thought that it would be, like, a little bit sooner. Yeah, I guess you had a few from the 2000s, so that brought it all the way down to yeah, 2013. to 2013. And I had a few from the 60s. And you know how I go on and on about the 70s being the greatest decade? No movies from the 70s in this. I feel like we'll write that wrong next season. I think we will. But I did do Night of the Living Dead, which was 68, which is kind of the beginning oh. of that <laughs> Time, I know not the beginning of the 70s, but I'd say 68 to 78 Mm -hmm. are really that. Right up until 80, because you did have Shining and uh, Raging Bull from this season is 1980. So there's two very 70s styled movies, even though neither were in the 70s. Hmm. 
very strange. I'll have to bring some more next season. Sounds good. Uh, so your average runtime was 106.75 minutes, which is about an hour and 46 minutes. That's a great time for a movie. That is a good time. I, I really like 100 those. minutes is my favorite. Quick, usually. yeah. Um, my average runtime was 109 minutes and 28 seconds, which is about an hour and 49. So I came in about the same. Way better than last season when you had Titanic (laughs) and Gone with the Wind and all sorts of things like that. I think my average time was like three hours last year. (laughs) So I also thought we should take the general public's ratings into account. Oh, screw the public. What do they know? I know. Um, (laughs) so the two sites that we use for ratings are IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. So your IMDb average for your movies that you pick is 8.02. All right. I feel like it should be higher. Um, And my IMDb average is 6.10. Hmm. I thought it might have been lower, actually. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Um, On Rotten Tomatoes, your average score was 93.4. Okay. That's that's a pretty good score. Mine was 75.12. So I think that that really shows the difference in the movies that we pick. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not about what other people say. It's about what we think. Yeah. And if you love your movies, then great. Who cares what everyone else says? Exactly. But statistically, you do not love your movies. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> so your average rating of your own movies... Movies that you picked that you said you loved, 6.25. So not really love. No. Your average rating for movies that I picked, 7.6. Wow. More than one full point higher. So you like my movies more than you like yours. Apparently, yes. Yet you still wouldn't watch any of my type of movies if it's not for this podcast. What do you think my average rating for your movies would be? Two. No, not two an <laughs> average. Shit's Creek was one of them. Oh yeah, I guess that was a ten. Um, five point five. Very close. Five point two five is what I rated your movies, and I rated my own movies as eight point eight. Yeah, it's not surprising because I picked them because you picked I love them, them and you like them. Yeah. I, however, do not follow that train of thought. No. Who needs it? <laughs> Who needs to like their own movies? So we've now done 100 episodes. Mm -hmm. There's only one time ever that we both rated something as a 10. And that's Parks and Rec. Oh, did you not rate Schitt's Creek as a 10? No. Oh, okay. It's very good. I don't think it's a 10. Okay. Parks and Rec was like a shining gem. Yeah. It was actually the only 10 I gave this whole time. Oh. I only gave two 10s and it was Parks and Rec and Schitt's Creek. Seems about right. Yeah. But there comes a point of all of these award shows where I have to call out some of your ratings and and demand explanations. Yes. Bearded Away, only a seven. Is that correct? I liked it. Huh. But I I believe on this podcast you said I loved it. Yes, but it wasn't like top, top for me. But seven out of ten is love. Seven to eight out of ten, yeah. So you love rare exports. Yeah, I liked it. No, 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 no. The name of the podcast is not, yeah, I liked it, but rather, I love this. You should too. You said you loved Spirited Away, but not Rare Exports. But they have the same rating. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Period? Yeah. Okay. It's just like a different seven. (laughs) Is that seven more like a six then? Yeah. Or is one of the sevens more like an eight? 
I think one of the sevens is more like an eight. Also on this podcast, we rarely rate them number-wise on the show, but you gave Leap Year a two, yet in this chart you gave it a five. So yeah. did you reevaluate and it turned out you actually do like it? Yeah. I thought about it when I was rating everything and then gave it a five because it was like so-so. It's 50% out of 100%. So Leap Year and Raging Bull are pretty much interchangeable <laughs> for quality, Tia. No. But, but rating-wise... I don't know how to rate things. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we don't use the rating system on the show, because yes or no is much easier for me. Oh, so you're more of the nope, yep. Yeah, nope. So Leap Year, yep or nope? Nope. Okay, so five is the line for nope? <laughs> yeah. Your highest ratings, as we went over, are Parks and Rec and Schitt's Creek. But your highest rated movie, shocking to me, but a pleasant surprise, out of everything, is, do you know? The Girl Who Leapt Through Time. The Girl Who Leapt Through Time. Oh, uh, the girl, not a girl. <laughs> I guess it's a girl, but it's specifically about her. Right. Yeah, I liked it. It was kind of neat. So I liked it. It was kind of neat. Is it <laughs> no, nine out of I loved it. Okay. I loved it. Great. Uh, yeah, because I, of course, loved that movie and gave it a nine myself, and that was my pick. But I was very surprised. That's one that you liked so much. Mm-hmm. I liked it a lot. One might even say you loved it. <laughs> yes. I don't know why you're so hesitant <laughs> to use the words of the title of the podcast. Okay, I loved it. I loved it. It was so great. I loved it. <laughs> I gave a lot of nines, but my lowest score was, no surprise, to Leap Year. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Big 2 out of 10. And then Instant Family was a 4 out of 10. A 4 out of 10? Yeah. Oh, I think it was better than that. Yeah, you gave it a 6. Yeah. That's perhaps like, perhaps love. (laughs) I'm not quite sure. (laughs) But let's get into some awards. Do you want to give out some awards? Yeah, let's give out some awards. I've got the statues already here. All right, we have... Awards based on performance for individuals first, and then we'll do movie awards after that. Sounds good. So let's start off with a pair of awards we give for best human friend and best animal friend. Let's start off with human first. Who is your best human friend? Um, Twyla from Schitt's Creek. Twyla from Schitt's Very good pick. Because I think it would be pick. really fun to be friends with her because she's got such wacky stories that it would be like really great to just like have a glass of wine and like talk with her. <laughs> I believe in the last 24 hours I talked about how much I love Twyla. Forgot about her completely for this. Really? So very good pick. Yeah. I I might have to change mine, but I think I think I have a pretty good one as well. She's also very supportive. She's of also all of rich. Her friends. She's also secretly rich, a low key rich. She has a diner you can come to. She'll make you some food, exactly. a terrible smoothie. It'd be fun, fun place to hang out with, yeah. like with her after it closes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Twilight would be a very good best friend. I completely agree. I wondered where spirits would go if they're best animal or best human. Oh. But, like, I had a runner-up of No-Face from Spirited Away. Oh. Because he's only as good or as bad as you treat him. True. So treat him well. Oh, okay. Yeah. My runner-up was Koske from The Girl Who Leapt Through Time. He was, like, the best friend who's just a good guy. Who's, mm-hmm. like, very smart, athletic, and just nice to everyone. Yeah. But my pick for best human friend and i think really the only one that could rival twyla 
Ben Wyatt. Oh, Parks yeah. And Rec. I thought about Ben Wyatt, um, but I uh, decided not to go with him. I think between the two of them, if you bring Twyla along, I bring Ben along, that's going to be good times. We're and maybe have... the two of them could get married. <gasps> yeah. Oh, no, but, you know, Leslie. Leslie and Ben are too perfect together. True, true. All right, let's move on to the Wicket Award for Best Animal Friend. Wicket? Wicket is the name of that Ewok. Oh, okay. Um, so my there weren't that many animals this season. No, not nearly we as many as last time. didn't watch as many time. animal movies. So let's make a note, more animals. More animals time. so yeah. that we can fulfill this category properly. But my best animal friend was Meatball from Instant Family, the giant Bernese mountain dog. He was very cute. I actually have that written down as my runner-up. So I have a different pick, though, for oh. the winner. And that is the Otori-sama, or the duck chicken things from Spirited Away. Oh, I forgot that there were kind of animal creatures in Spirited Away. Those ones were so cute. And I I don't know if they're spirit. They're probably spirits. But mm-hmm. they present in the form of animals. So I'm putting them as my best animal friend they're super cute. There's a bunch of them in a big hot tub at one point. Yeah. They walk around with leaves on their head. I love those little guys. They seem very fun. I'm showing Samantha a picture now. Right. Yes. <laughs> they remind me, that scene where they're all in the hot tub, it reminds me of like chicks when they're in the incubator. Oh, yeah. Because like, they're all kind of just on top of each other. I think at one point they wear towels as well, Yeah, which is, which is very funny. Which is very funny. So this was a really interesting category that you came up with, but who did you hate that's not a villain? Ah, yes, the Kate Hudson Memorial Award. (laughs) She's not dead, though. Her career should be. Oh, God. Okay, so, Indy, who did you hate that wasn't a villain? So runner-up goes to Craig on Parks and Rec. He came (laughs) into that show too late. He didn't fit the overall vibe, and he was very annoying. He can be funny on his own, and he's just... Billy Eichner is essentially playing what he always does when he's on the street. But in this, I thought he was quite annoying. But I'm going with whatever Mark Wahlberg's character's name was in Instant Family. Oh. I found him very dislikable. And he's just like, hey, I'm a guy. I got a backwards hat over here, a plaid shirt. And then he just acts confused all the time. That's his characteristic. Right. I really don't like him. And I know it's not just because of the hate crimes. And I know (laughs) you always say, like, you just don't like him because he likes blinding Vietnamese men. And that's not the only reason. I think he's a bad actor. Also not not true. Yeah. (laughs) Very good. But yeah, he was pretty terrible. Who's your least favorite person? Um, So... I feel like I didn't go for someone that I didn't like their performance. I went with Robert De Niro in Raging Bull. Oh, see, I like, thought about that, yeah. but we put in not a villain. Well, I don't think he's a villain. Oh, I think he's a villain. Oh, okay. He's he's a, a wife-beating maniac. I know, I know. But he's it's like the movie's also about him, so I figured... Well, I think he's the protagonist. Yeah. But he's also the villain. Oh, see, I didn't view him as quite a villain. I viewed him as like a bad person but I don't think he was, like, actively trying to hurt anybody. What about when he beat his wife? Okay. Then he what was... about when he beat up his brother? Okay, never mind. Never mind. Ignore that. Just delete but that no, part. But no, that's fair. Fair. <laughs> Tell me about this, because I completely agree. I considered him, but I took it off because he's a villain. So I think that um, because he does such bad things, and sometimes he's very, very hard to watch, that that is why I made him, like, this because he's kind of like the least enjoyable person to watch yeah jake lamotta was a monster yeah 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 so i think that um 
I think I was thinking of villain like classic Disney villain. Which, again, I could make the argument that he fits a lot of those as well. He's a pretty bad guy. I, I don't know. But I guess because it's following him, yeah. he's not an antagonist. He's no. the protagonist yeah. of the film. But as I told my grade seven English class, bad guy and antagonist are not the same. Exactly. So, yes, Robert De Niro, you get my award for Who Did I Hate? Not a film. Jake LaMotta. Jake LaMotta. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Robert De Niro. <laughs> Although I don't know Mark Wahlberg's character's name either. So a lot of the shows that we watch uh, have really great cameos. What was your favorite cameo this year? Oh, the John Hamm Award. Yes, the John Hamm Award. It used to be the Charlie Sheen Award, but he doesn't do it so much anymore. True. Not since he went crazy? I'm pretty sure he went mad a while ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. My runner-up, I assume, is going to win yours, so maybe I shouldn't talk about it too much, but was Keanu Reeves in Always Be My Maybe? That was very close. Oh, okay. So then I'll mention he was my he was so good. Too. Yeah. Well, let's talk about him then. Okay. I love cameos when famous people play themselves yeah. and play themselves Are as assholes. Are just like ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. I really, because Keanu Reeves is known as like a really good guy yeah. who just like silently gives money to charity and has like an age appropriate girlfriend. He's just kind of the nicest and guy And he's in the world. just a really nice guy. Yeah. And then I love that he got to play this like completely like opposite of what he is known for and just being like pretentious and crazy and violent and because he's done so many action movies over Mm -hmm. the last while we kind of forgot that he was a comedic actor yeah and uh, i think this is his best performance in a a real long time actually he was very good at that But my winner, I feel like if you're in a movie, your cameo can be very short. But if you're in a television show, I kind of extended that to guest stars. Oh, okay. Yeah. So then I have to go with Paul Rudd as Bobby Newport in Parks and Rec. I have to wear my Bobby Newport outfit again. Yeah. (laughs) Um, He's so funny in that. He's such a villain, but then also likable. Mm-hmm. He's 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 Paul Rudd, right? Yeah. Who can be hilarious and an idiot and also still somehow very charming. Yeah. He plays those types of roles pretty often, and I think this is one of the best ones. So Bobby Newport from Parks and Rec. Oh, nice. I also went Parks and Rec. Um, I love Megan Mullally, so I'm going to go with Tammy, too. Oh, good call. Because anytime she's on the show, it's like always exciting because I like, I always got like actually excited when she would appear or she'd be mentioned and about to appear. I was always like, oh, this is going to be such a good episode because her and Ron Swanson are just a train wreck. They bring out the best in each other's performances. And that's like the only time you get to see Ron like off the rails. Yeah. And it's glorious. It really is. Yeah. Good call. Let's go on to, we have awards because Kelsey said, you should do an award for a worst couple. So we'll do that. But of course, we had to start with best couple before that. Yes. Runner-ups, I have Patrick and David from Schitt's Creek because I I love those guys. Those were actually, that's my winner. Then I won't say anything more. Uh, I was very tempted to go with Jesse and Celine from the Before series. And I'll talk more about them, maybe, because theirs is the most true to life in so many ways. Uh It spans 20 years, and we get to see their relationship in all different stages. We get to see it in the 
what could be this crazy romantic part. We get to see a kind of lovelorn what could have been in the second movie. Mm -hmm. And then we get to see the third one of the harsh, at times, reality of what actually is. And I loved how they grow together and still work out for the most part. Mm -hmm. I don't think either of these characters... I would particularly like as people, but I loved watching their chemistry on screen. Yeah, that's, I agree. I think that that is a very good choice for this award. But my winner was not them. That was a runner up. (laughs) I actually went with Ben Wyatt and Leslie Nope. I had a feeling you were. But for the sake of not just talking about Parks and Rec, let's just say they both bring out the best in each other and they were really fun to watch. And I loved that a show actually took the time to get people together and not just they meet each other and now they're in love. Yeah, exactly. Um, so my pick for best couple was David and Patrick because they have such from a, Schitt's Creek from Schitt's Creek, uh, because they have such a, a like a sweet relationship, and it's very it's the, probably one of the most functional relationships that we see in our entire season. It's very much like Ben and Leslie's mm-hmm. because you have one person who's kind of too much and out there and the other person is such a grounding force yeah. and they complement each other. Yeah, well. and David is so supportive of Patrick when he's trying to come out to his parents and like trying to figure out who his identity in a relationship with David is. And I just think that it's such a beautiful relationship to watch that they are the winner of this award. All right. What about the Rhett and Scarlet Award for Worst Couple? Oh, I was calling it the Kelsey Kendrick Award. But that makes it, first of all, I don't know if people want you saying their last name. Oh, sorry, Kelsey. (laughs) But that kind of makes it sound like she has the worst couple. <laughs> so uh, that's why I didn't go with that. Oh, okay. Sounds good. The Rhett and Scarlet Award then. Um, so my worst couple is somebody that we've already talked about this show um, with Tammy Two and Ron Swanson because their antics are just like out of this world every single time they end up together. And Ron loses his mustache at one point and eyebrows and it's just hilarious and I love it. Wow, uh, Parks and Rec is just sweeping this I know, Parks and Rec is uh, killing it this year. This year, this season. My runner-up was Jake and Vicky LaMotta, because that's as toxic as a relationship can be. Mm -hmm. But it's a little too real, and I don't even want to talk about it. Now let's go to my winner, was whoever those people are in Leap Year. (laughs) So the couple of... A woman who falls down a lot and a man who is nearby because those are their only characteristics played by Matthew Good and Amy Adams. They have zero chemistry. He's kind of a creepy stalker who watches her naked a lot. She's an asshole for no reason. They don't get along, but that's love. Yeah, exactly. So we definitely saw lots of good performances and bad performances. So we're going to start off with who was your best performance of the season? Oh, the Audrey Hepburn Memorial Award. You have a name for every (laughs) single award. You say best anything. I think actually in the last award show, I also called this the Audrey Hepburn. Because you know me and Audrey Hepburn. I do. I do. And she is dead. So it is a memorial award. Uh, I thought of first... I almost wanted to give it to Father Karras from The Exorcist Uh because he gives a very understated but brilliant performance. I contemplated Anthony Perkins, who plays Norman Bates in Psycho, because I think we talk about his performance a lot, but 
as much as people talk about, oh, he's creepy. I think if you actually watch the movie, sit down and watch it now, it's it's so much better than even we give it credit for. But it's hard not to go with Robert De Niro as Jake LaMotta. I think one of the all-time best performances in, in cinema. You could go to like all of the method stuff he does about losing all that weight and then getting into good enough shape to be a professional boxer. Yeah. But I, I think it comes down to encapsulating this like monster of a man and making him terrible, but then also making us maybe we're not necessarily on his side because he's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Although some people may have been won over to that point. But we do find the humanity in this monster. Right. And I think to make someone as terrible as Jake LaMotta is in this film, but still give him little glimpses of redemption mm-hmm. was a was quite amazing on De Niro's part so that's my best performance of this season I agree and you covered all of the points for mine you went with so, De Niro? yeah I did what yeah shocking <laughs> wow well, what did you like about him then because I was quite surprised that you'd pick that you covered all the things like I feel like I'm just gonna repeat you okay. but I think that um his like full fully throwing himself into this role and like you said, like, actually gaining all the weight and getting into shape to do this and um, just how believable he was, I think, is uh, is amazing. And I think that he deserves this award, too. Agreed. Well, then let's do the other side of this. Who wins your Jimmy Fallon Award for worst performance in a film? Um, I'm going to give it to Rose McIver from Christmas Prince. She was, oh, she's the she's reporter. The reporter lady, yeah. She was bad. She was bad. And yet somehow had three franchise movies on Netflix. Um, She definitely is bad and just, like, needs to not act anymore. I thought about her. I gave the prince himself an honorable mention because he's just there. Yeah. He doesn't do anything explicitly bad. No, he just doesn't doesn't do anything good. Yeah. The same could be said for Matthew Good in leap year mm-hmm. he's just around yeah i don't i thought he was not charming and especially unattractive and that was surprising because then i realized i've seen him in movies and thought he was attractive and charming so <laughs> this movie did something to him but ultimately i'm gonna go again mark Wahlberg in instant family i think it was a terrible performance it seems like he wasn't trying at all huh. but maybe it's just that mark Wahlberg is a bad actor okay I, th- I think he is a bad actor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think he's only good in things where he's playing a menacing or threatening figure. Like, wasn't there a movie in, like, the 90s when he was a stalker? Like, a university-age stalker. That's who sh- he should play, because that's what he looks like. Like someone who commits hate crimes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. Because <laughs> he does kind of look like that. <laughs> Oh, we have a little break here because we are going to get into (laughs) awards for movies. But before that, we talked in the past about having regular segments on the podcast where we just bring up our arguments and give them to all of you (laughs) to settle for us. But I thought that would be a, a terrible podcast and pretty annoying because our arguments tend to be very niche. Yeah, very niche. So... We thought we would have a section for a couple's argument here that you, the listeners, can help settle for us. And we will post a poll on our social media Mm -hmm. so that you can see and you can tell us what you think. So here's some insight into our relationship. This is the biggest argument we have. (laughs) When eating a fruit salad, fruit salad consisting of um, maybe some melon, 
a couple of those trash melons, apple, grape, strawberry, in some sort of whipped cream-like topping. Right. Correct? Anything else? Oh, I've never put whipped cream on my fruit salad. Sometimes there's like a a creamy... No? No. Okay, even if there's none. Okay. So you're thinking even if there's no topping at all? Yeah. That's even more on my side now. Okay, just (laughs) fruit in a bowl. Yeah. If you took a spoon without looking, picked out one chunk of fruit, maybe it's a cube of melon, maybe it's a grape, maybe it's half a strawberry... Can you tell what it is just in your mouth? No, it all tastes the same. That is sheer and utter madness. And I don't know why I spend so much time cultivating these flavors I put into your meals because everything tastes the same. <laughs> no, to it you. doesn't. No, it doesn't. Just fruit salad. It all has like a general fruit flavor. A grape and a melon. You can't tell the difference. No, they have like the same flavor when they're all mixed together. That's, no, no, yeah, no. Yeah. just one in your mouth, not a mouthful of four of them. Okay, I think I might be able to, but I haven't had fruit salad in forever, so I don't know. But you're not confident you can tell just from the texture, an apple from a melon? No, like I still think it all kind of tastes the same. Okay, well, um, everyone out there, what do you think? Can you tell the difference <laughs> between different fruits when eating them in a fruit salad? I think I could understand maybe honeydew and cantaloupe. Those can blend for me, too. I can see that. But beyond that, I think clearly you should be able to. And I'm a little worried that you can't. Doesn't one of your friends think I'm an alien because I can't blow my nose? Yes. Well, we could bring this up, too. (laughs) Maybe I'll put it at the end of this where it's been months since she tried to blow her nose last. And I kind of bullied you into blowing your nose again. Yes. And you just can't do it because you refuse to try. No, I try. It just doesn't. Nothing comes out. But you try like this. You just kind of breathe out gently. Yeah. That You have to breathe out with, with force. I can't breathe out with force. But you did once. And you said, hey, stuff came out. And then I said, do it again. And you said, no, I can't. I'll try it again after the podcast. I don't believe it's Too you. much pressure. <laughs> no, it's not enough pressure. That's why nothing's coming out. You have to use more force. It's too much pressure. Okay, well, My sinuses are too scared. Who's who's weirder? This person who can't tell fruits apart and can't blow her nose or this control freak who's like, that's a strawberry, that's a grape. Blow your nose. Could go either way. Yeah. I am uh, quickly realizing this episode may be for nobody but us. <laughs> we'll be back to normal next week. Yep. Well, let's go on to a few other awards that are for entire movies. Yes, please. Let's take the focus off of my inadequacies <laughs> and start talking about movie inadequacies like our podcast is based on. <laughs> well, let's start off with the Sixth Sense Award for Biggest Surprise. Um, I'm going to go with the Before Sunrise trilogy because I didn't know it was a trilogy going in. I forgot about that. And yeah, clearly that should be the answer. Yeah, that's my biggest surprise is that the movies just kept happening. I thought it was just one movie and it turned into three. And did it blow your mind? A little bit. It is odd because it's so strange for a movie like that to be a trilogy. Yeah, yeah. it was like a good standalone movie and then it just kept going. But still enjoyable. Indy, what, what was your biggest surprise this season? My biggest pr- surprise was A Christmas Prince. Why? <laughs> There's so, no twist. No, but there was. So I went into it thinking it's going to be a uh, like 
cookie-cutter romantic comedy, I don't know you, but you're rich, so I love you. And it is, but it's so far beyond, like, like Leap Year is a bad romantic comedy. Mm -hmm. We talked about Love Actually last season. All of those make some sort of sense. Mm -hmm. A Christmas Prince is so free from the constraints of filmmaking. It borders on, like, an artistic film for criticism of the genre right i don't think it is i think it's completely accidental but i think it's so poorly written that it is all signifier Mm -hmm. and nothing being signified it is completely reliant on people who have a history of romantic comedies and understand what happens that it doesn't even have to do anything it's it's like a meme of a movie You don't have to know the context. You don't have to watch the movie the meme is about. You just Mm -hmm. like, oh, I know what that means. It doesn't have mean anything on its own without us knowing romantic comedies, embedding all of this knowledge that we have from our past into it. Right. If someone has never seen a film before, they would not understand anything about this movie because nothing makes any sense at all. (laughs) But we are so ingrained that like, oh, we know this is what this means. Right. I feel like this movie is secretly a very nihilistic movie because nothing in this film has any meaning whatsoever. And it's kind of creating a world where meaning is meaningless. Why would you need meaning in anything? Just look at this. Right. It's so far into bad romantic comedy that it almost comes all the way around and is a commentary on them. And I think in like 30 years, people might look at this movie and be like, whoa, how did that ever get made? And how was it so popular? It could only be popular in this time. And it could only be popular with the success of Netflix, of people just consuming, not watching movies, not discussing movies, just consuming. It's the perfect movie for that whole binge culture of just, I want more. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to like talk about it. Just give it to me. And so this movie is given to you in a bunch of spoonfuls of like here's this scene you've seen that scene before and it just gives you everything constantly it doesn't even really have a plot that makes any sort of coherent sense but we know exactly what everything means because we've seen it before Mm -hmm. that they don't have to mean anything in this movie and nothing means anything in this movie but we fill all of these things with meaning and they don't have to do it we're doing all the work watching that movie and it was truly surprising and kind of revelatory in that way well have i got another christmas movie for you i i don't know where i could go from there though because if they lean more into that i think it would go too far if they tried it if they try harder i think it would be a worse movie i don't know i'm sure we'll watch it probably this christmas yeah. but oh yeah i'm not sure where they could go well let's go into a few technical awards so we're not going to give editing or cinematography sound editing sound design anything like that we're gonna break it down real simple okay what sounds the best what looks the best sounds good looks good sounds good looks good so let's go to the looks gourd <laughs> let's go <laughs> what <laughs> the gourd <laughs> the gourd award <laughs> let's go to the award for what sounds good i gave it the the conversation memorial award but mm. we haven't talked about the conversation yet so what sounds good to you? Um, always be my maybe. 
the, all the Hello Peril songs, including the I Punched Keanu Reeves song. <laughs> I love it. I love the band. I don't actually like the band. No, but I think but all of fun. those songs were so like funny and well-written that um, I think it deserves this award because they're just like original songs in a movie that are actually like hilarious when you sit down and think about the lyrics. That's really good. Yeah. What about you, Indy? What was the best sounding movie? Runner up is The Girl Who Leapt Through Time. I love the sound design, especially when they're outdoors and there's the cicadas. I love how they capture silence. And it's not just no audio, because that sounds weird if it's in a movie, but Mm -hmm. they have these empty spaces like the classrooms and things being silent and it it sounds great. But uh, my winner is Psycho. Oh. Psycho has a great score from Bernard Herrmann. That main theme is iconic for good reason. There's also lots of great attention paid to the sound effects. The shower scene's probably the most famous. And they were stabbing melons. They were introducing animal noises, all sorts of things to, to make those sound effects. But I think it's the score that wins me over. So Psycho sounds good. Now, what about... What looks good in the, let's say, Blade Runner Memorial Award? Oh, uh, well, similar to Blade Runner, my award goes to Children of Men. It was such an interesting set. There's so much going on in it. And, uh, like, I feel like you could not watch the movie and just look at the set. And it would be, like, really interesting. And if we're including all camera movement, because that's part of what Mm -hmm. looks good, this has some amazing camera work. Exactly, yeah. So it was really visually interesting to look at because of the set dressing and the costuming and then also the, like, actual filmmaking. I think of any movie we watch, this is probably the best world creation. Mm -hmm. There is a completely believable, entirely separate world from us that they've created in this and a very conceivable world as well it's not so far like a lot of futuristic movies are that you don't have those links to our world but Mm -hmm. this definitely does yeah that was my runner-up along with the girl who leapt through time because i love the art in that but i think winner i gotta go spirited away okay yeah every scene is just so lively and not just with these amazing characters there's just such attention to detail to everything his animation style, Miyazaki's that is, is really at its peak in this one. You can see all the things that he kind of pioneered in earlier films really coming to their culmination in this one. And it's just a beautiful movie. Every scene has something amazing to look at in it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Let's go to one of my favorite categories and a hypothetical one. Which movie's world would you most like to live in? I think I split it between two worlds parks and rec and then also schitt's creek tell me parks and rec first parks and rec because it seems like a crazy office environment that would actually be a lot of fun while that place would be i would not like to live in that world because it is our world but exaggerated right Companies can come in and pave over parks whenever they want Mm -hmm. to build fast food places. Everyone is upset about everything. Christian groups get to dictate what is taught in schools. Mm -hmm. It's, we have that world. Yeah. In this, the only good thing is you do have more people on the good side. Yeah. But still, not many more. It's a battle the whole way. And most people lose the battle to bureaucracy. 
So I don't think I would like to live in the Parks and Rec world. I want to be friends with all of those people. True. But the world in itself seems not great. <laughs> like, all the Pawnee is like a terrible town. Yeah. It's not actually good. No. It's just you have this one good group of people. True. What about Schitt's Creek? Um, it seems like the best of everything. You get a really nice little town. You have really good people. You, um, it's kind of idyllic, I guess, is the best way to put it. And I think it would be really nice to live there. I'd probably agree with that because it's our world, yeah. but with less hate. Exactly. It's really all it yeah, is. Exactly. It's very it. simple, but it seems great. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very neighborly. You know your uh you know your neighbors you love your neighbors and you do absolutely anything to help them so indy what world would you like to live in schitt's creek is very compelling so i'm that might actually be the correct answer (laughs) my first thought was spirited away because i'd want nothing more than to go to a spirit world that's completely fantastic like that yeah but then the fantastic world also controlled by capitalism true and i'd have to have a job there so if I'm going to go to a world full of spirits, I don't want to have to work eight hours a day. Probably more. I think she's working more than that. I think so, because it kind of seems like she only sleeps. Yeah. So uh, that's probably not the best. I thought about the girl who leapt through time, because it's just our world, but mm-hmm. time travel. Yeah. That sounds pretty that's sweet. That's fine. Yeah. But in the end, I went with rare exports, oh. which is just our world, but Santa is real. And bad people are punished and good people are rewarded. And it's not based on like how much money you have, but it's actually what good you are doing for the world. Yeah. So I think I'd like that world, but I think that's just me wanting bad people to be punished. Yeah, I'd agree with you, Rare Exports. I think Santa existing and good triumphing over evil is, uh, is a good place to live. Although all the naked Santa elves did just kind of kill randomly, don't they? No, wait. But they were trained. I don't know. This could go either way. I didn't really think it through. The naked Santa elves were kidnapping children. Yeah, that's. But they were bad children? No, they were just children. Okay, maybe. Because they had to power the big evil thing. Right, right, right. Hmm. Shit's Creek. And the winner is Schitt's Creek. <laughs> all right, let's get into the two big awards. The reason we're all here. This is the reason? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I was here to babble incoherently about fruit salad. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go to, first, the Bride Wars Award for Worst Film of the Season. Um, I'm going to give my award to A Christmas Prince. Really? But in a good way. (laughs) Okay, go on. Because it's entertaining, it's light and fluffy, and I think that's exactly what I was looking for when I started watching Christmas Prince the first time. I knew it wasn't going to be a, like, Schitt's Creek or a Raging Bull. I knew that it was going to be light and fluffy and stupid, and I liked it. All right. So it is kind of the worst, but it's also kind of the best. So yours is the uh, the Mac and Me Memorial Award, perhaps? Yes, I think so. What about you, Indy? What's the worst? Leap year. <laughs> Not surprised. It was terrible. Yeah. That's all. Moving on. Okay. You can go listen to that episode. I'll complain about it for a lot longer. Sounds good. But so, let's go into... Our final award of the night. I called it the My Neighbor Totoro Award because that's before... 
this season. That was the highest combined rating we've mm-hmm. ever had on something. We both gave it nines. Mm-hmm. We've never even had one before that was like a 10 and a nine. So that was oh, our highest rated okay. com- combined before. So the My Neighbor Totoro Award, I am giving to Shit's Creek because it's such a warm, fuzzy, funny show. And it speaks to a lot of like real issues. And I think that it uh, it deserves the recognition that it is getting. I agree. It was, yeah, it was great. I loved watching it that first time through. I've gone back and we've watched a few episodes here and there. And it, it holds up. It's yeah. it's funny. I think one thing that is actually better on rewatches is you can watch silly little performance things they do. Yes. And that was much funnier to me because we were watching one just the other day and Elliot, what's his name, Roland in the show, Roland shit, was eating a banana. And I was like, rewind this, watch how he eats that banana. (laughs) He eats it like an animal. And just like the delivery of every line is, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of me going, oh, listen to how she said that. That's hilarious. And there's, it's it's very good for that. Exactly. So I think Schitt's Creek is my best film, best series of this season. So I gave nines to, I think, seven different things. Oh. Uh, Spirited Away, Children of Men, The Girl Who Leapt Through Time, Night of the Living Dead, The Exorcist, Psycho. But I only gave one ten, and that was to Parks and Rec. Yes, my other ten. And I guess we can't say best film because it's a series, but Parks and Rec combined a few things that I love and did it better than anything else I think we've seen thus far, this Mm -hmm. season at least. First of all, it's hilarious and has great little jokes, mm-hmm. constant jokes coming at you like like a good sitcom should. And it's less about being a sitcom because it's less about like, oh, no, two dates on the same night. What do I do? It's not about the situations. I wish there was a different name because like, these are character driven ones. Yeah. And yeah, there are gags and weird situations, but I think it all comes down to the characters and the characters are great. And they're consistent. They don't change just for the sake of one joke, but they're also not static. They're consistent, but they can grow. And that's something we don't get to see a lot in light comedic television. Mm. And then Parks and Rec, where it's better than I'd argue like things like The Office that it's often compared to, is this has so much more heart. Mm-hmm. While I don't want to just sit here and say The Office isn't good, because The Office is pretty good. But their heartfelt moments come one at a time of like, hey, this is happening now. Isn't that sweet? And you're like, yeah, I guess. But it seemed much more fulfilling throughout Parks and Rec because there would be these long things that eventually pay off. And it's not just here's a moment, here's a moment. Yeah, It's people being friends over years. Right. And that's what made this show just just a little bit better than a lot of other ones and Shit's creek i love it i think parks and rec did that just a little bit better actually okay and i think they're both very great at the heartfelt stuff but i thought as far as the comedic joke writing i laughed more in parks and rec so that's why it gets a little bit more than uh than Shit's creek for me okay but also you know like night of the living dead God damn, it's so good. <laughs> Psycho? Psycho is better than I remembered. Yeah? I love Psycho. It's one of the best movies ever. And then we watched it for this, and I was like, yeah, it's better than I thought. Exorcist 2. Girl, Girl Who Leapt Through Time. So surprisingly good yeah. and underappreciated. Yeah. But I guess I could list them all and why, but that's what this whole podcast has been. Like, 
through these 100 episodes. Yes, very true. (laughs) So if you want to hear more about any of these movies we talked about, look through the last 40 episodes. They're all in there. Exactly. And we'll see you in another 50 episodes for another award show. Yeah. So what next? What are we going to be doing for the next 50 episodes? Where do you want to take things now? Um, Well, we have my next pick is the next episode. And I'm going to take it on a little bit of a different journey um, with something that I actually haven't seen before. So we're getting to the point where there's fewer movies that you think you love. Yeah. And even the ones you think you love, you didn't. Turns out you didn't. <laughs> so now you're just kind of leaning into that and go and like, like hey, how about things. this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I so like that. I think I'm going to try to pick movies in different ways than just I love this and um, maybe see if I love some things that I haven't seen or still love some things that I thought I loved. And I think that um, it's going to be a really interesting season. What about you, Indy? What do I have to look forward to? Well, hopefully I'll have that Wong Kar Wai box set soon, so there's some of that. I also still love the idea of early on I wanted to expand it. Like, so one of the things that I love and we're going to try out for you would be like camping. Yeah. So not necessarily just movies. I don't know if we'll get there, but I like that idea. I think it's funny. We'll probably do one or two series again. Yes. Because we just like having something to watch. Yes, very true. We're kind of in between like shows to watch right now. And it's just, uh, we're like, what should we watch? And we're both like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe we'll do Mad Men because that's one that I love and you're interested in. I'm interested in, in it, yeah. So if we're going to watch it anyways, might as well do it on the show. Exactly. I think we should do another multi-part thing. Maybe Harry Potter. Yeah. Maybe something else. Oh, Harry Potter. I just, I listened just a year ago when we were in quarantine, I listened to all the Harry Potter books on audiobooks. I was sitting at a computer for long stretches of time by myself. So I, uh, I got through all of those. So I will have some thoughts on the books as well as the movies if we decide to do that. I should probably do that because I like, work at a children's library. You do. And you haven't read Harry Potter. I haven't Potter. read Harry Potter. Yeah, you should definitely uh, listen to the books. I read a lot of YA fiction you do. every year. So, so much, actually. But I started this after all of the Harry Potter stuff. So I was like, I know it. I know the movies well enough. So yeah. I never got into it. But I, I do think I'll read those eventually. Maybe this is the time. I think it's the time. It's just too bad that J.K. Rowling is a racist. Is she a racist, too? Yeah. Oh. I thought she just didn't like trans people. That as well. Yes. She's just kind of bad. Most people are. I don't know why... Like, it's good that people are upset about things like that. But if you look into most things you love, they're all racist, too. Yeah, I know. I know. But it's just, it's odd which ones we select to be like, you're racist, that's bad. But in, like, a world leader, we're like, you're racist, that's cool. (laughs) I would rather the authors be racist than the world leaders, but that's just me. Very true. Um, so yeah, so we'll, uh, have lots of things to look forward to this season. Um, but hey, let's get our listenership up. If you like our podcast, you can rate, review, and subscribe on wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on social media and share it with a friend. Hopefully they won't base it on this episode, because this is probably a really bad episode. <laughs> yeah, just tell we do not good to stuff. start here. We do good stuff. Yes, we do. So, uh, you can find us uh on our email at i love this you should and the number two at gmail.com you can find us on instagram 
and Twitter at ILTYS and the number two. And you can also find us on Facebook at I Love This You Should Too dash podcast. And you can find me right here because I don't go outside anymore. <laughs> Should we plug our own social medias? Okay, well, go for it. I'm at Samantha Hughes on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Although I don't accept friend requests from people I don't know. So, so don't, good luck. Don't find me on Facebook. <laughs> Andy, where are you? I think the only thing people would want to follow me on is Instagram because right. I actually do a good bit of photography and I post it years after the fact, but Very I did true. a lot of travel photography mm-hmm. and it's just Indy Randawa. I-N-D-Y-R-A-N-D-H-A-W-A. Yeah. And I think I'm up to editing my Russia photos now, so I should pick that up, and maybe those will be out soon. Indy also does some really good uh, food preparation stories on Instagram. Oh, yeah. My stories are me cooking, and my posts are me traveling (laughs) in the past. In the past. Uh, So, yeah, check us out. Check out the social media for the podcast, and share with your friends, please. And we'll see you next week when I introduce a movie I haven't actually watched. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everyone. Bye! See, you don't need ten fingers on your nose to do it, though. Okay, blow it. Just do that. Okay, just put, just go like this. Plug one. Oh my god. I did it. Yeah, I don't know that you did. Plug one nostril with like maybe your thumb. Just plug your nose. Come on. You still don't need ten fingers. <laughs> I was plugging one nostril. How big is your nostril that you need a fist to plug it? Or whatever. Just plug it completely and then blow out the other side. That's you're it's working. I can hear it working. You use five tissues. Yeah. To blow your nose half of one time. It's fine. That my nose doesn't work. But it just did. It just did. For like ten seconds. How long does it take you to blow your nose? I don't know. Not ten seconds. <laughs> when I blow my nose, it's not like a, a, a half hour affair. It just happens. <laughs> I just don't have time to add that to my daily routine.